Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. How many of you need a lesson? How many of you need a lesson? Raise your hand. Mercy, mercy, mercy. What were y'all thinking when y'all come through the door? All right, help me, help me, help me, Buchanan. There's like a plague of hands up in the air. It's the only time you can run in chair. Look at that. Sonny, it looks, it looks like chariots of fire. Look at that. There we go. Quickly, quickly. Who else? Who else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We want to make sure everybody gets a lesson. Everybody gets a lesson. Got some in the middle. Got some in the middle. Who's, who's passing out over here? Brother Jeff, right, uh, two hands right here. All right, right here in the middle. Anybody else? Did we miss anybody? I think Brother Buchanan is coming that side. All right, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Anybody need a lesson? Right behind you, Chad, right behind you. There you go. All right, how many of y'all glad to be saved? How many of you, how many of you have ever gone through a painful experience in your life? I guess we'd all have to raise our hand, wouldn't we? How many of you have ever wondered this? And be honest, be honest. How many of you have ever wondered this? Why me? Why me? Uh, tonight, I want to try to do this. I want to try to do this. I want to talk about the question. Really, we're going to try to answer this question. Here's the question we're going to ask. God, why are you hurting me? Why are you hurting me? Do you realize sometimes, sometimes God not only allows, you know, we always talk about this, well, well, I don't believe God will do such and such, but I think God sometimes allows. Well, I think we can go further than that. I think God does more than just allows difficulty. I think he does more than just allows pain. There's sometimes he initiates it, and he has a reason, he has a purpose. So that's what we're going to talk about. Last week, we finished up the book of James. Uh, we had kind of a free night tonight. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about this topic, and one of the reasons we're doing this, I, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but in, in the Sunday morning lessons and also in the, the last few Bible studies, it's almost seemed like every single, like the past three or four weeks, have all dealt with God's judgment or God's discipline and, and, and that type of topic, and, and they've all worked together. So what I wanted to do is go into greater detail about God's discipline. So we'll understand that. And so we'll see that. Because basically pain comes for two reasons. One, development. Or two, discipline. Say that with me. One or, say it again, one or discipline. Either development or discipline. And both, thank the Lord, both are for our benefit. Both are for our benefit. So let's look in Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's read, let's read the first verse, and then we're going to skip down to verse 5, okay? Read Hebrews 12, 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, say that with me, let us lay aside, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So what do we learn in this verse? We learn that we're all in a race. We learn all the saved, all the born again are in a race. We are in a race of life. And, and he says we need to lay aside the weights, the hindrances that keeps us from running a good race, the things that will make running the race more difficult, and the sin that does so easily beset us, those besetting sins, those things that gets us off course, those things that keeps us from running the race we need to run. So in the very beginning of this chapter, we find out that God is saying there's some things that we need to address in our life. There's some, now watch this. This is important that we get this. There are some things that we need to address in our life. Now watch. He's telling us to do it in verse 1. But guess what happens if we don't? God's not just going to let us just... God never sweeps anything under the rug. God doesn't see something that is detrimental in the lives of his children and says, I sure wish they'd do something about that. That's just not the God we serve. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch what it says in verse 5. Verse 5. In verse 1, he tells us to do something. Y'all with me? In verse 1, say it with me. In verse 1, he tells us to do something, us to pay some attention to this issue. Now, verse 5. 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth you with sons. And for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. In other words, you're illegitimate. What he's trying to say is here, if you claim to be saved and, and you can live like hell itself and God not discipline you, God not chastise you, then you don't belong to him. You're not truly saved. You're illegitimate. All right, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our, he for our, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And we'll come back to that later on in the study. Now, now watch this, guys. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I never one time in my whole life ever was getting a whooping and said, isn't this great? This is so wonderful. Are y'all with me? He said, now, it's not pleasant, and it's not wonderful. It's not joyful at the time, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore? Wherefore? Now, now we're talking about what do we need to do after the whooping? What do we need to do? What do we need to learn? What do we need to understand? He says, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. It's the whole purpose of the whooping. Follow peace with all men in holiness, which, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for all the things that you've done for us and to us. Lord, you did it to us, for us. So that we could be better, so we could be healed, so we could be different. Now, Lord, help us to understand the truth that we're going to talk about tonight. Why do things happen the way they happen? Why do we go through difficult times, difficult experiences? Lord, I pray that you'll help us all to learn. And all those that are watching uh, by way of the website, Lord, I pray that you'll touch them in their homes and in their hearts, wherever they are. Strengthen them and help them. Father, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. On February the 24th, 1948, one of the most unusual operations in medical history took place in, Ohio, in the Ohio State University's Department of Research Surgery. A stony sheath was removed from around the heart of Harry Bashara, a man 30 years of age. When only a boy, he had been shot accidentally by a playmate with a 22 caliber rifle. The bullet had lodged in his heart but had not caused his death. However, a lime deposit had begun to form over the protective covering of the heart and gradually was strangling it. The operation was a delicate one, separating the rib and moving the left lung to one side. Then the stony coating was lifted from the heart as an orange is peeled. Immediately, the pressure of the heart was reduced and it responded by expanding and pumping normally. I feel a thousand percent better, he said. The patient soon after the operation... And here's the here's truth we learn from this. Our hearts develop a hard protective coating because of accidents and incidences in their life. They are coated by the deposits of a thousand deceits and rebuffs, pain and suffering. They are hardened by the pressures of circumstances. And inevitably, they become smothered and insensitive. Sometimes God has to do spiritual surgery on his children to remove something that would detri be detrimental to their walk with him. Like any surgery, there is pain involved. And sometimes there is mixed feelings about the whole process. Sometimes there are different responses to his ministry in our life. Some are blessed, some are bothered, and some are bewildered. Now think about this. 
A 22 bullet entered into the body, and it began to have a, a deposit upon it, and it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing to the point it was going to suffocate life, much like what happens in our lives. Many times we are wounded. Many times something takes place, whether it's a tragedy, whether it's a traumatic uh, uh, situation that happens. Somewhere along the line, a wound has is, uh, is, is taken place and a wound has happened. And, and listen, if we don't deal with it, uh, sometimes it's a sin. Sometimes it's, it's disobedience. Whatever, whatever it might be, if we don't deal with it, it grows and grows and grows and grows to the point that it will suffocate life. And it will destroy the life of the person who's holding it in. Listen, those doctors, they knew that this was going to cause pain. Those surgeons knew that this was going to be a difficult task. They knew that this was going to be an unpleasant experience. But if they didn't do something, he would die. Now, here's the thing. Many times in our lives, we have things that are there. Many times in our lives, we have issues that have happened and taken place in our life. And God knows this. If he lets it go, it will get worse and worse. That's why it's called a root of bitterness. A root is underground. A root is beneath the surface. That's what makes it so dangerous. If somebody has an outward problem, everybody knows about it. If, if, if the problem is outward where everybody can see it, it's obvious and you can do something about it. But if it's underneath the surface, if it's there and you feel it, and you know it's there, but nobody else does. It is so dangerous because you can, let it, you can let it fester in your life for a very long time. Now, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Pain. Pain. Understanding pain. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I'm really a sissy when it comes to pain. Are y'all with me? The night I went to the hospital with my kidney stone, I'm telling you, she put an IV in my arm. And she put some medicine in there, and it seemed like three days later she came back. <clears throat> it was probably 10 minutes, but when I, how many of y'all have ever had a kidney stone? You know what I'm talking about then. And my exact words were heard of this. I said, ma'am, I promise you, I am not no sissy, but I'm about to die. And she came and gave me some medicine, what I needed. I don't like hurting. I don't like pain. I don't like toothaches. I don't like any kind of pain. I just, I'm just, I, I don't like it. Pain is unpleasant to me. I just soon do without it. But how many of y'all know pain is a part of life? Now watch this. I want to give you a definition. I want to give you Webster's definition of the word pain. And then I want to tell you what the, the Fibromyalgia Institute said about it. When it comes to pain, here's, here's Webster's dictionary. A sharp, unpleasant sensation usually felt in some specific part of the body. Then it gave some related words. Discomfort, distress, soreness. Tenderness, agony, anguish, misery, suffering, torment, torture. How many of y'all can relate? Say amen. Now, all that sounds horrible. All that sounds horrible. Man, if God loved us, why would he let us go through that? Why, why, would, why would God even invent pain? I know what you're thinking. Oh, that, was, that must have come with a curse. Not necessarily. When you, when, you look at this, when you look at this explanation from the, the National Fibromyalgia and Chronic Pain Association, watch what they say about pain. Pain is a universal experience that serves the vital function. You see that? It has a vital function. In other words, it's important to you. That's crazy, isn't it? That pain could be very important to you. Watch. It serves the vital function of triggering, what's that word? Avoidance. The pain sensation is a necessary part of a human being. Pain sensation is a fact of life. Even the primitive amoeba takes avoiding action in the face of adverse events. In such primitive life forms, pain avoidance is purely reflex action, as they do not have the complexity of a highly developed brain to feel pain in the sense that humans do. So what, what, are, what are they saying? Pain is very important. Pain is there for the sake of avoidance. In other words, God put pain receptors in your body so that when you are going to do something that's dangerous, that pain says, stop! When you stick your finger in a light socket, 
Hello. When I was when I was I, I was helping I was helping a brother paint uh, uh, an apartment right on right over by going toward Mount Nebo past that road down there and uh, and and there was there was a pen there was a little goat pen with miniature goats in it I mean little old bitty miniature goats in it that were saying come pet me now are y'all with me little old bitty miniature goats but about about this high off the ground about this high off the ground. There was a one single strand of wire. Can y'all guess what that wire was? It was electrified. Now, my little girls were littler at the time. They were smaller. And uh, I'm thinking it was, I'm thinking it was uh, McKenzie. Brandy, do you remember who it was that done that? Was it McKenzie or was it you? It was McKenzie. Okay. Uh, McKenzie, because uh, she knows no fear. Knows no fear. I told her, I said, stay away from the goats. Do not go by the goats. That wire will get you. Don't go by the goats. She said, I'm just going to look at him. I said, well, that's fine. You can look at him if you want to look at him. Well, I'm inside painting, putting paint on the wall, and all of a sudden I hear, <laughs> Did you run out there? No. You said, why didn't you run out there? She wasn't going to do that again. Y'all with me? What happened? She experienced pain. What was the wire telling her? Stay away. Stop. It was saying avoid. Pain in your body is telling you stop. Avoid. So one of the key reasons for pain is avoidance. God gave us that. God gave us that. Now watch this. Here's something else. Not just to avoid. One of the key roles that pain plays in our life is not just to avoid, but to be aware. To be aware. In other words, pain tells you there's something wrong. Pain says, hey, all right, when you break a bone, when you break a bone, there are signals that goes from where you broke that bone to your brain. And that is saying, hey, you have a problem. Are y'all with me? When you have a headache, your body's telling you, you've got a problem. When you experience this stuff, it's making you aware. The pain makes you aware. You see, that's why there, there are a lot of people who, who have uh, uh, a disease that affects, that they don't feel no pain. They can lay their hand, they can lay their hand on a, a burning hot stove and not feel anything. And you say, oh, that would be great. No, that's horrible. Because you don't know something's happening. You won't take your hand off because you feel no... Because the pain is saying, stop, avoid. Or, hey, there's a problem. You would never know there was a problem if there wasn't pain. Are y'all with me? I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. Here's the point. Let's, let's look at children. Let's look at children. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. What, what are you doing by applying the rod to the child? You are teaching the child that with a wrong decision comes pain. You want them to associate doing wrong with pain. Are y'all with me? I've heard, I've heard, you know, people say, oh, you're trying, you know, you're, if you spank your child for hitting another child, you're just trying to cure violence with violence. No, you're not. It's not the point. You want the child to associate when they're young because the younger you do it and you do it right, you won't have to do it older because they get it. If I do something stupid, it's going to hurt. You know why a lot of kids do some of the foolish, crazy stuff they do today? Because they don't understand that. Because they were never taught that growing up. They never associated a bad decision with pain. Because every bad decision they were either let off or got away with it. And God wants you to see bad decision, pain. Bad decision, pain. Pain says avoid, stop. Why do you think if we are out in sin, if we are making foolish decisions with God, or we are doing things that are wrong that is not pleasing to God, why would God just say He's not like us. 
He's not like parents today because God loves you too much for that. God loves you too much to leave you out in that kind of condition, in that kind of situation, because he knows there may be pleasure in sin for a season, but when it's done, it brings death. Hello? So, he uses pain. He uses pain. Let's, let's go into detail about it. Let's go into detail. For several weeks, we've talked about the rebuke. We've talked about the scourging. We've talked about uh, uh, the chastening. So, let's go into more detail in in and explain that a little more. But before we do, before we do, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. I, I, I don't have a clock, Brother Chris. I don't have a clock, so I won't, I'll get in trouble again because, you know, I'll go over. <clears throat> Make sure they get a clock up there. Or, or wave at me when I got five minutes. It doesn't matter. Whichever way you want to do it. Uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1. <clears throat> uh, look in verse number, verse number 6. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. There, there's, there's something I want you to get, and I want you to understand, because this will really help you. I promise you this will really help you when you're going through a difficult time. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Are you there? Say amen. Look what it says. <clears throat> Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, and that's important. Thank God when we're going through a difficulty, it's not going to be forever. Amen? It's seasonal. It comes and goes. It's not going to be here forever. We're just going through, all right? But here's the next Here's the next most important words you may ever read in your whole life out of the Bible. What's the next three words? Say it again. All right, we, we've, got, we've got 13 people helping me. I, I need more than that. What's the next three words? Say it again. If need be. If need be. Watch this. Ye are in heaviness. That means in a, a bad way. You are under the gun. I mean, you, you, you just weighted down with difficulty through manifold temptation. Now, that is not a temptation to sin. That's talking about trials and difficulty, hardships. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, watch this. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, these particular verses are not talking about discipline. They're not talking about you doing something wrong. He's not saying that you're under a great hardship or a great difficulty. You're, you're going through the fire. You're, you're in a painful situation or a painful experience because you're doing something wrong. No, this means you're doing something right. You say, what's the point? This is what I want you to get. You'll never go through a painful experience in your life unless you need it if need be if God disciplines you you need it if you are in a storm God is either disciplining you or developing you either way you need it either way it's going to be for your benefit either way it's the best thing for you in your life or God would not let you experience it I, 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 was, I was talking with a gentleman today. <clears throat> I was talking with a gentleman today that was talking about a, a situation in his life where he was going to go through a bad, bad situation, just a difficult situation. His father was praying for him, praying for him, and praying for him. I mean, even fasting and praying for him. Fasting and praying for him. And, and, and praying that what was inevitably going to happen, that it would not happen, but it happened. And boy, that was frustrating. That was frustrating for the father because he prayed and he even fasted, begging God, oh God, don't let this happen, don't let this happen, don't let this happen. And, it, and this is what he said. Man, that just, man, it stuck in my head, in my brain. He's, he said he was praying for what he wanted, not what I needed. He was fasting and praying that he could, his son could avoid this difficult, difficult situation, this painful situation. But he was praying for what he wanted and not what I needed. He said, I needed this. This changed me. This helped me. This made me a better person. Are y'all with me? Sometimes God does not allow us 
to escape a situation that's, not, that's going to make us better. He will not always take us out of the storm, but he will give us peace in the storm if the storm is what's best for our lives. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Even the disciplining. Man, there's been many times I was disciplined as a kid, and I was begging it for it to be a role, begging to get out of it, begging for it not to happen. But you know what? Every time I was disciplined, it made me a better person. Now, here's, let's, let's keep that in our head. When we're going through this study, let's keep this in our head. If I'm in it, Say it with me. If I'm in it, come on. If I'm in it, I need it. If I'm in it, I need it. All right. Now, let's go through this. Number one, write this down. Here's some realities. Here's some realities we face. In, in, In Hebrews 12, what we just read a while ago, Hebrews 12, there's three. Actually, there's four. But we're not going to talk about the fourth one because that's God taking you home and we're just going to not go there, say amen. We're going to allow them other things to get our attention so he won't have to take us home early. But there's three different things that's mentioned. A rebuke, a, a chastening, and a scourging. So let's describe these. In, in, in everyday life, what would it look like? If God is rebuking me, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Okay? This is what it would feel like. God will prick your conscience. Here's your rebuke. He will prick your conscience for a sin you commit. He will use the preaching and teaching of the word to rebuke you. Sometimes in your prayers, God will try and get your attention. And sometimes it's through the words of others. In other words, in other words, there will be times when I, there's been times in my life I had something in my life that I needed to deal with, I needed to fix, I needed to take care of and, 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 and do what verse number one said. You know, verse number one said, let us lay aside. In other words, God, isn't it great that God will give you the opportunity to deal with a situation before he has to? Isn't that a great God? Now, if we don't apply verse one, if we don't deal with a situation in our life, if we don't apply uh, 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 and address the thing that God brings up and says, hey, this is in your life, whether it's bitterness, whether it's sin, whether it's lust, whether it's anger, uh, whether it's fornication, whether it's adultery, whether it's lying, whether it's just holding a grudge, whether it's bitterness, hey, first thing he'll do is you'll come and sit down and the preacher will say something and he's preaching this direction and God slaps you over here. And you'll hear a word that also, whoop, what's that? That's a rebuke. That's God saying, hey, you need to address this. You need to deal with this. Hey, listen, pay attention, pay attention. I'm saying that's what God will do. Some of y'all went. Seriously, I think we need to do that. I think every time we need to come to the house of God, we need to look and listen because I'm telling you, God will rebuke through the preaching and teaching of his word. How many of y'all will be honest enough in this house? It's just family tonight, guys. It's Wednesday night. You know if you're here, you want to be here. Amen on Wednesday night. Listen, how many times have you been, you get down to pray and God reminds you of something? You get down on your knees and you're praying that God will address this situation over here and he'll say, yeah, that's, that's good, but what about over here? Yeah, I know I need to help you with your light bill, but what about that person you cussed out at work yesterday? Hey, I don't like it. No, I'm, I like it about as good as you do. I don't like rebuking, amen. But that's how it works. When he says, when he rebukes, that's how he does it. Sometimes it's in the word of someone else. My father, my father, one day after I was out of Bible college, I don't even think I was completely out yet. I was about halfway through, and I come home and preached one time at, at, at Bethel, and and uh, and and he he had me in the car riding down the road, and and uh, he was he was just he said, man, he said, boy, you God has really blessed you. I'm telling, you, he just put his hand on you. You can outline the Bible, and you can do this, and you can do that. Man, he was sucking me in. I'm telling you, my head my head was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, just he said, but there's one thing you're missing. Man, he might as well slap me in my face. Oh, what, what, what could I possibly be missing? I didn't say that. I thought that. He said, son, you, you need to work on your humility. And I'm telling you, that one sentence 
you, you, you couldn't have got my attention no worse if you'd have slapped me across the face. Nathan came to David and said, Thou art the man. Sometimes God uses the words of others to rebuke us and get our attention. Are y'all with me? Say amen. A rebuke. Now let's talk about a chastening. What does that mean? He said, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If the, and by the way, you will never be chastened if the rebuke gets the job done. Y'all with me? Y'all wake out there, y'all for quiet. Are you nervous or are you just tired? Amen. Anytime you go talking about whoopings, it gets nerve-wracking. Amen. And by the way, you'll never get the rebuke if you practice verse 1. If you practice chapter 12, verse 1, if you lay aside, you won't even be rebuked. Isn't that great? If we take care of it, he won't have to. But if we don't take care of it, if we don't lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, then he's going to have to say, hey, he's going to send a rebuke, okay? If the rebuke don't work, if you hear it, you come in and you sit in the house of God and it doesn't get your attention and it doesn't make you want to deal with it, then he's going to send the chastening. What does the chastening feel like? <clears throat> what does the chastening look like? Now, this is a more severe, look at your notes, this is a more severe form of discipline than the first. It involves emotional anxiety. God will let you get anxious. God will let you feel anxious. Emotional anxiety, frustration, or distress. Pressures will increase at work, at home, in your health, or finances. Many Christians go along in their Christian life in this level of discipline. They feel unfulfilled at church. In other words, they'll come to church and not really feel uh, uh, complete, full, critical all the time, kind of, kind of on the outs with God. When they pick up their Bible, it feels like a lead weight, and they can't seem to figure out why. Surely it's the preacher's fault. That church just isn't what it used to be. Boy, the services just ain't exciting like they used to be. I tell you what, and, and we, 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 we come up with every excuse in the world. When the whole time God is trying to say, hey, nervous, anxious, frustrated all the time. You mean to tell me God will let that happen? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Not because he's mad at you, because he loves you, and he's concerned. Church, say amen. If, if, if the rebuke doesn't work, if the chastening doesn't work, it goes even deeper. It goes even deeper. The word scourge means to flog or to whip. In this level of discipline, you are living in open sin and flagrant defiance for what you know is right. You have not responded to the Lord's attempts to get your attention, and because of this, he must resort to inflicting pain to get the result. God takes long-term sin very seriously. The, the consequences are more drastic than most Christians realize. Paul said that unconfessed and unrepented sin in the Corinthian church, here's the way it's read, had caused some of its members to get weak, sick, and even to die. 1 Corinthians 11.30 For this cause, many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep, which means die. Would, would a loving God do that? Yes. I want you to look at this story I put. <clears throat> a Norfolk Southern train was rolling down the rails of, of Indiana at 24 miles per hour. Suddenly, the conductor, Robert Moore, spotted an object on the tracks roughly a city block away. And initially, the engineer, Rod Lindley, uh, thought that it was a dog on the tracks. Then Moore screamed, hey, that's a baby. The baby was 19-month-old Emily Marshall, who had wandered away from home while her mother planted flowers in the, in the yard. Lindley hit the brakes, and Moore bolted out the door and raced along the ledge to the front of the engine. He realized there was no time to jump ahead of the train and grab the baby, so he ran down a set of steps, squatted at the bottom of the grill, and hung on. As the train drew close to Emily, she rolled off the rail and onto the roadbed, but she was still in danger of being hit by the train. So Moore stretched out his leg and pushed her out of harm's way. Moore then jumped off the train, picked up the little girl, and cradled her in his arms. 
little Emily ended up with just a cut on her head and a swollen lip. Sometimes, like this train conductor, God must hurt us in order to save us. You know, a lot of us sometimes, God has to give us a bloody lip, maybe a black eye, instead of a coffin. But we get frustrated with God because we got a bloody lip and a black eye. We get frustrated at God because we're feeling pain. We get frustrated at God because we're, we feel and experience some sort of suffering. When God looks at the big picture, God doesn't look... Everybody look at me for just a second. Everybody look at me just a second. This is one thing we're going to have to learn about God. And this is not in your notes. This is just coming to my head right now. God is speaking to me. Please, please get this. We, we look at the now. Our eyes can only see today. But Jesus is Alpha and Omega. The and the. He sees the big picture. And the actions that he takes in our life is not coming from what we see today. It's coming from the big picture. Hallelujah. And when we see that God is looking at our life from the front to the end, it changes everything. God knows what we need every day. God knows what we need in our life, even if it's correction, even if it's discipline, even if it's a storm to teach us faith, even if it's a sickness to teach us that we can trust and depend on Him. God knows what we need. If need be, you're in manifold temptations. Church, say amen. This is the reality we face. Number two. Number two, <clears throat> I want you to see the reasoning, the reasoning we find, the reasoning we find. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you can understand a reason for something, it makes it a little better. Would you agree with that? Sometimes when we, when we learn why something happened, it, it, it makes it a little easier to swallow. It makes it a little easier to deal with. So let's look at this, the reasoning. Not just the reality we face that God will get our attention. God will use issues. God will use pain. Uh, God will use these things in our life to, to, to get our attention. But then, number two, the reasoning we find. First, write this down. God uses pain and difficulties and circumstances to provide healing for our wounds. Write that down. To provide healing for our wounds. My father had, my father had a, a knee replacement surgery. Both of them, matter of fact. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I'm glad I watched this video after. But I watched the video of everything that happened, what they cut off and put it. And I'm, and I remember going to his house and, 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 and him having a scar from like right here all the way down here and, and, and it just, oh my goodness. And then the therapy and, and the pain. I'm like, wow. How difficult that was. How painful that was. But when it healed, when it healed, it was so much better than it was before. Now, Here's the thing. There are times in our lives, that's a poor illustration because his hurt before. But there are times in our life when there are things in our lives, maybe it's a cancer, we don't even feel it. Matter of fact, I, I've been reading up on this stuff, and, and, and how many of y'all know men are stubborn? And there are certain kinds of cancers that's killing men like crazy because they won't go to the doctor to get checked. And they don't even know it's there because they don't feel it they don't, until it's too late. Are y'all with me? Well, see, God can see in you. He can see through your skin all the way to your soul. And he can see the root of bitterness. He can see anger. He can see sin. He can see lust. He can see, are y'all with me? All of these things that we don't even know is there. So God has to allow a painful situation. God has to do surgery. God has to go and allow something to get our attention. 
I, I can't tell you thousands of people have come to my office. And, and matter of fact, God is my witness. I'm not exaggerating this a bit. I've got a little, I've got a little dry erase board. I've got a little dry erase board. And I've got a, a goofy-looking drawing that I've made that I did months and months and years ago. And, and, and I've done it so many times, I quit erasing it. I just leave it on the floor. And when somebody comes in, I just put it up there. Because there's so many people dealing with this. And, and what I have is a little circle that represents the seed. And then you have a line like this that represents the, the ground. This is underneath the surface. And out of that sprouts. And those sprouts is fatigue. Those sprouts is anger. Those sprouts is depression. Those sprouts is inability to trust. Hello? This coming out of the seed. And this seed is bitterness. Bitterness. But see, the seed is not what started it. There was a wound that took place that was unforgiven. And because it was unforgiven, it, it created bitterness. And out of bitterness comes anger. Out of bitterness comes depression. Out of bitterness comes fatigue. Y'all with me? Now, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Anger is frustrating. When you blow up at every little thing, your spouse says something and boom, it's like a tea kettle. Something happens at work. Stuff that shouldn't, that shouldn't be causing what's happening. You boom. That's painful. Being depressed all the time is painful. Not having energy to get out of bed and being fatigued all the time is painful. All of that's painful. But all of that is there to show you there's a deeper problem. And if you didn't experience the pain, you wouldn't deal with the problem. And sometimes God has to give you a little pain so you can bring healing. Are y'all with me? If we didn't hurt, listen, if we didn't have the pain in our tooth, we wouldn't go get it fixed. Sometimes God has to allow pain. Listen, I guarantee you, when that old boy was getting his chest broke open, and they was going and digging out that, that 22 bullet and all that. It was painful. But it, it produced healing. You remember? God sees the. So when you're today in your pain and you can't understand why, just remember there's a bigger picture. Church, say amen. Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the what? Brokenhearted. So we know God's a healer. We know God also said He would deal with us and He would apply pain. So the purpose of applying pain would always be to heal. To heal. Now, what else? B. B. Not only, give me A again. The reasoning for God using pain in our life, A, to provide healing to our wounds. B, to present help for our weaknesses. To present help for our weaknesses. I know what you're thinking. What do you, what do you mean? Watch this. When you write that down, look up at me. I, I, I want to read the, the, the little, little story. The 18th century British physician John Hunter who was a pioneer in the field of surgery and served as a surgeon to King George III, he suffered from angina, <clears throat> and he discovered that his attacks were often brought on by anger. Hunter lamented, my life is at the mercy of any scoundrel who chooses to put me in a passion. In other words, I'm at the mercy of anybody that chooses to make me angry. Hello? He's got an anger problem. Now watch. Now watch, these words prove prophetic. For at a meeting of the board of St. George's Hospital in London, Hunter got into a heated argument with other board members. He walked out and dropped dead in the next room. He, got a, he had an anger problem. Now we can blame all the other people, but guess what? If you blow up at Joe, you're going to blow up at Henry and George and Cletus. Hello? Now watch. God will allow something painful in our life to help us see we got a weakness there. He will apply the pressure. 
He will apply issues. He will apply these things. Thank you, Doc. He will do that so that we can see there's a problem. I, I, I remember this several years ago. What year did you move up here? What year did you move up here? You've been up here, what, 12 years now? 14 years ago. 14 years ago, uh, 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 my father, who grew up in South Florida, his whole born days, his whole entire life, South Florida, palm trees, beet sand, coconut, say amen right there. 80 degree weather, 90 degree weather all the time. Well, when he first moved up here, he's renting a little house this 100 years old. It's an old, old house. Uh, it's got a crawl space underneath, not a big crawl space either, and no insulation. And it's wintertime. Somebody say amen. He decides to save money and turn off all the heat. And all God's people say it. Well, guess what happened when the temperature got above 32 degrees? Everything thawed out. And guess what happened to them pipes? So I'm at work, and my father calls me and says, what are you doing? That translates, I got something for you to do. I said, Dad, I'm at work. What do you need? He said, well, I got a broken pipe. Pipes froze. I got a broken pipe. I said, okay, no problem. I said, I'll come over there. So I come over there, and, and this, was, this was before he lost all that weight and run around like a little rooster, and before I gained all he lost. And he said, I need you to go under that, in that crawl space right there, and, and, and there's a pipe that's broke. I need you to fix it. So I, I, I got in there, seen what we had with the loads. We got the stuff, went over there. And it was, I mean, it was cracked. It was cracked that wide. You, it was obvious right in the elbow. I mean, it was horrible. Cut it all off, got it all fixed and everything. And I'm laying under it because there ain't much room. So I had to go crawl under there like this on your back and you're, and you're over it here. And I said, now, Dan, go out to the road. The road's about 100 yards from the house. I said, go out and turn on the pressure. <clears throat> and I'm going to sit here to see if it's going to leak. He said, now you got to understand, he's deaf. <laughs> and I am getting that way. It must be hereditary because my grandfather had hearing aids too, so it's hereditary. And, uh, and so I said, go out there and I'm going to see if it's going to leak. So he went out there and he turned, the, he turned the pressure on. And when he turned the pressure on, it looked like Niagara Falls underneath there. <laughs> Man, there was hairline cracks all, I mean, every pipe in there was busted. Turn it off! Turn it off! Huh? Turn, turn, turn it off, please! What's the point? There was a broken pipe that was obvious. But there was a whole bunch of issues that I never saw till he turned up. Now, now we can, let's be honest. Guys, we can look at each other and tell some of us got issues. Y'all with me? It's obvious. I mean, there's several broken pipe people in here. Come on now. Everybody, everybody can look at our own lives. Everybody can. We can look in the mirror and say, yep, you got to work on that right there, boy. There's a broken pipe, obvious. But you know, there's some things in all of our lives that we would never know till something painful and intense came in our life and showed us it was there. Well, I wouldn't have this problem if he wouldn't keep making me mad. No, see, you miss it. It's not that they keep making you mad. It's you got an anger problem. And God allows these things to take place to show you. If people just wouldn't. If, he, yeah, if that's always your response, you're the one with the problem. 
Well, I tell you, I got this. No, God allows painful situations to turn the pressure up in our life to reveal the things that we didn't even know was there. I can't tell you how many times that people's come to my office, we've sat and we've just talked, and, we, and they, come in, they come in for the broken elbow. They come in for the cracked elbow that's cracked that wide, but that's not why they're really there. And the more we talk, the more we talk, the more we talk, the more the Holy Spirit goes to work, and the more it's realized, oh my goodness, I didn't know I still had that unforgiveness in my heart. I didn't, I didn't know that that was the issue. I didn't, yeah, you didn't till the pain, till the difficulty, till the pressure was turned up. And then we see what's really there. Now, here's one thing we can do. We can get frustrated and angry, or we can say, I need to deal with that. I need to deal with that. All right? Number A, A, tell me A. The reasoning God uses pain. A, everybody say it loud. Provide healing. All right. B. Present help for our weaknesses. Present help for our weaknesses. And, and, and I use that illustration. All those cracked pipes are weaknesses that you don't know is there till the pressure is applied. Amen? C. And this is probably the most important. To promote holiness in our walk. Let me go back and read. In verse 10, Hebrews 12, verse 10. Watch this. Hebrews 12, verse 10. He's talking about, he said, our, our parents used to apply discipline. It says, uh, for verily, for they, talking about our parents, for they verily for a few days, that's talking about the, the short life we lived while we were adolescent and we were children, for they verily for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure. In other words, for their benefit. I mean, you say, what do you mean by that? Is that that's not being arrogant. That's just saying, listen, if you don't correct your child, they're going to be a pain. Hello. They'll be frustrated. According to Proverbs, they'll be an embarrassment to their mother. So why do we correct their children? So that they will be a pleasure to us. Let me tell you something. An obedient child is a pleasure to be around. A child with respect, a child that respects authority, a child with manners, man, they're awesome. Hello? Watch. That's why they did it. Now watch what he says. But he, talking about God, he chastens, he rebukes, he, he scourges, he corrects, he applies pain. He, for our profit now watch that we might partake be partakers of his holiness his holiness why why is that such a big deal why is that such a big deal look at verse look at verse number let's see verse number 14 verse number 14 why is holiness such an important thing follow peace with all men and and watch this without Without which no man shall. Wow. Doesn't this bring to mind 1 John chapter 1? That God is light and in him is no darkness. And if we say that we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Why does God want us to be partakers of his holiness? So we can hang out. So we can have fellowship. So we can have an intimate relationship. So we can be close to him. And more importantly, he can be close to us. Isn't it, isn't it starting to make more sense now why God will... It's not because he's mad at you. It's not because he's angry at you. Sometimes, let's be honest. Sometimes, how, how many of y'all can be honest for about three seconds? How many times have you wanted... You wanted even if you didn't, I think some of us have. But you wanted to correct them because you was mad. Come on, y'all lying in the house of the Lord. I'm going to, I get up, oh yeah, when I get my hands on. Hello. God 
has never, ever applied discipline that way. It was always and will be always so you can have a relationship with him. He wants you to be partakers of his holiness. Why? If you are partakers of his holiness, you can see God. You can fellowship with God. You can be close to God. You can feel God. Church, say amen. Hallelujah. Listen, the reason God applies pain, the reason God will use pain in our life, is to help heal the wounds. It's to help the weaknesses. It's to promote holiness. Three minutes? Really? All right, what do we do then? Let me hurry. i got three minutes to give you three points, so a minute a point. All right, the responsibility we fulfill. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? If God is applying pain, if we are in a painful situation, we are under a painful circumstance, what do we do? What do we do? A, we acknowledge. We accept what God reveals. We accept what God reveals. God revealed to to David by Nathan, thou art the man you have sent in your life. Now watch what David says, Psalms 51.3. For I acknowledge, I accept, I understand, I, I am acknowledging. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. What do we do when God is doing something in our life? We acknowledge. Say that with me. A, we B, we ask. We ask. In Psalm 51, I encourage you to go read the whole, the whole chapter there. He says, purge me with a hyssop. He asks for God's mercy. When we have done something wrong, when we are being disciplined, and most of this is, is dealing primarily with discipline. If we are being disciplined, let's go to God and ask for mercy. It says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews 4 uh, 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Isn't it amazing when we need mercy the most, that's when we don't want to go to him? How many times have we not wanted to talk to God because we knew we thought, or we knew, we thought he was mad at us? We didn't want to go to God because we knew we had sin in our life. And what God is saying here is that's the perfect time to come. That's the best time to come. Why? Because you need some mercy. What did he say to do? What did he say? Come boldly. When when we need mercy, how do we normally come? Man, this is great. The Lord's just speaking to me right here. When we need mercy from somebody, we're timid. We're afraid. We're, oh, are they going to? No, no. God says, come on. Come. Come on now. Come boldly come on that means he's willing and waiting and ready come on if you need mercy if you're out in sin if you've messed up if you've done wrong he said don't be timid don't be shy come on hallelujah that prodigal son i'm sorry that prodigal son he's done wasted everything matter of fact he wasted everything he didn't even deserve to have yet but when he come home the Father, run to meet him. You getting this? He ran. He couldn't wait to give forgiveness. He couldn't wait to restore his son. If you're out in sin, come on. God can't wait to show mercy to you. Say amen. See, see. What was A? B, C, Act. What does that mean? Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If God tells you there's something there, there's something there, deal with it. God will do everything he said in the latter part of that chapter, so we'll do what we're supposed to do in the first part of that chapter, and that is lay aside. If God reveals bitterness, then ask forgiveness and deal with it. Go forgive the person who hurt you. If God has revealed lust, deal with it. If God has revealed whatever, you know what it is, then deal with it. Then deal with it. Church, say amen. Amen. Read the last part at home. Uh, 
Maybe when we come back, maybe when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about the development, the pain through development. Maybe you say, preacher, I'm not, I don't have sin. God's, I, I know my, my conscience is clear with God, but I'm still in a painful situation. What do I do in a painful situation when God's just trying to build my character and build my faith and strengthen me and develop me? Maybe we'll talk about that. How many's interested in that? Okay, all right, well, we'll, we'll try to do that next time. And all God's people say it. Lord, thank you for this time of study. It, it goes by so fast, it seems like. Lord, help us to, to, to practice this stuff and understand that you are merciful and you desire to help us and you want us to come boldly before the throne. In Jesus, we pray, help us to accomplish and apply these things to our life. In Jesus' name, we all pray and all God's people say it. Go get your children quick. Oh, oh, hey, don't forget, we've got, we've got a few invite cards Please don't leave any because this will be the last service that we are here uh, uh, till Sunday morning. So make sure they're all gone when y'all leave. And whoever's the last one to leave, you got to pass all the rest of them out. <laughs>